your faith. Well, today I'm going to be continuing part two of our series, Winning the War in Your Mind. And I introduced this series last Sunday. Really, we looked at the mind is a field for spiritual warfare. All right? It is one of the subtle or not so subtle ways that the enemy attacks us in our life. How many of you know that fear most often is produced in the mind? Anxiety, disappointment, discouragement, all these different emotions and seasons that we experience, um, most often it's, it's happening between, between our ears in that battlefield of the mind. And so um, today I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. But before I tell you exactly uh, what I'm going to be sharing on, I want to start with a, start with a story to get, us, to get us going, to get us moving in that direction. So, despite what my body is communicating to you, I do run on occasion, all right? I know that's surprising maybe for many of you, but it's a hobby I started getting into. I played soccer, and uh, after college, I realized I don't need to be playing soccer anymore. And so I thought of, what's the simplest hobby, simplest sport? And it was running. I know it's, it's strange. I get my music on, I get my podcast on, and I start running. Well, early days to this hobby, to running, in the early days, I was getting all in. And what do you do when you're all in on something? You know, you subscribe to a magazine. That's right. So you can learn. So you can grow, right? Readers are leaders, somebody, okay? Readers are learners, too, all right? And I remember I subscribed to Runner's World Magazine. I'd like to say it changed my life, but it didn't, all right? But it was a help. It taught me some things. And I remember probably about three or four issues in, I am reading the magazine, and I find this very helpful article. I was intrigued by it. It, it talked about how to personally keep yourself motivated when you're running. And it's a phrase called self-talk. And so, this wasn't uh, newbies or people who are just taking up the hobby. These are like trained professionals. These are trained marathoners. And I thought, there might be something to this. So you know how it goes. You read something. You start practicing it. And let's just be honest. You start self-talking in the middle of a crowd. That's awkward. All right? You know what I mean? <laughs> we got other terms for that. But I was running by myself. And I, I remember just running, you know, and... In my practice rounds, it, it didn't mean much. I didn't really have to self-talk myself through anything. I was like, just let me finish. You know, that's practicing. But in races, I'll never forget one October, there was a, there was a run down. This is when we lived in Florida. There was a run down in Destin. And it was what's called a 10K. So just a little over um, six miles. And um, I was pumped. I was ready. And I took off at a blistering pace. And what's normally bad, because I've taken off at a blistering pace, what normally happens is my body checks about a mile and a half in and says, you crazy, you slow down, in the name of Jesus. That's my body. will talk to me. I'll start quoting scripture. Well, this one, I could feel the adrenaline. This run, I could feel the music. It was like angels' wings were carrying me through the race. And so I, I'm looking, I'm about four miles in, and I'm like, I'm getting just under an eight-minute mile pace. This is pretty awesome. And so I decide I'm going to start self-talking. 
So I'm running, and I'm running. This is what I look like when I run. Don't judge. And I'm running, and I, and I start telling myself, you got this. Now I, didn't, now, I didn't poke my neck back and, you know, my shoulders, but I was just running. I said, you got this. You got this. There's more in you than you think. And I was like, man, these, what is happening? I started sprinting up hills, going around curls. I started overtaking people that looked like a couple years younger than me. So come on, I was motivated. I landed up getting my best possible pace. Hold your applause. It was a good day. It was a good day. Needless to say, I even got a little medal, somebody. All right. Paid for it, but I did get a medal. I was encouraged. I was uplifted. But I want to say, I was so intrigued by kind of this, this data, this research of self-talk. How something as simple as, you got this. And then, there's more in you than you think. Because I was kind of looking at my pulse. I was looking at how drenched my shirt was. And I was like, I don't know if I have this. But I just told myself otherwise. Now listen, today, I'm not going to be encouraging in self-talk. But I do want to bring to our awareness that we all are participating in self-talk. Any moment during the week, there are words that we are speaking over our lives on a daily basis. Now, I don't go into the grocery store or, you know, my day-to-day life self-talking out loud. But shortly after this run, I became a little bit more aware of the self-talk that I am doing in my life. There was some of that even happening this morning. You came in, you saw shirts. Best days ahead. That's a subtle form of self-talk. Now, granted, as a church, we're rooting it in Scripture. Amen? We're not just making up things along the way. But one particular voice I zeroed in on and that the Lord began to set me free from is a little voice I'd like to call for our time this morning, the inner critic. Can we say that word on three just because it's so fun? One, two, three. Inner critic. Now before you say, listen, I have never told myself nothing. Before you like pin me as crazy, And out there, at least let me argue my case for a moment. The inner critic is a tone, it's a voice, it's a statement, but it even has physiological identity in our bodies. Typically, the inner critic is condemning. The inner critic is condescending. And if your case is any like mine, you never measure up when you stand before the inner critic. I mean, you just don't. And I would propose that I think every one of us, each one of us, to different levels with different extents, are feeling that warfare from the enemy. Because the enemy loves to sabotage the inner critic. He will take a mistake and make it magnified in your life. He will take one moment from your past and label you for the rest of your life. You will find yourself waking up in a funk, 
find yourself driving down the road, and you don't know why or where it came from. It's the enemy sabotaging your future. He's sabotaging your confidence. I think about how the inner critic shows up. Now, maybe these are a little more personal for me, but maybe they show up for you as well. Just a couple areas. I think of the area of food. Come on, anybody. How many of you? Show me your hands. You got something on your phone that helps you keep track of your food. Maybe don't show me your hands, okay? We'll just keep it impersonal. <laughs> but you got maybe, maybe uh, uh, my fitness pal. Maybe you got a little Weight Watchers going on. Maybe you got a little calorie counting going on. Something in the area of food. So things are going well. The pounds are shredding. Things are coming off. It's a good season. And then, for some unknown reason, that Krispy Kreme sign with the hot donuts pops up. You find yourself driving through, grabbing a couple donuts. Is it a problem? No. Is it a fun little addition to your life? Absolutely. But try telling your inner critic. Your inner critic goes bonkers. The inner critic says, loser. <laughs> you should know better by now. You'll never lose weight. And the enemy, here's what's funny. We just think, man, I'm so silly for having these thoughts. No, 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 no. You're not. The enemy latches onto those thoughts and drives it into your inner being. Maybe it's not food for you. Maybe it's finances. Maybe you take up getting debt free. We propose that. Maybe you're diving into some Dave Ramsey and you're running through the baby steps. You're doing the gazelle. Man, you're moving forward. Things are happening. It's a good season. Promotions at work, income, everything's great. But then you have one of those months where it's like the discipline caught up with you. And uh, you had to have the new pair of shoes. Cool shoes. <laughs> you had to get the purse. You had to get the jersey. Or Sam's Club was having an incredible sale, and you had to get the 150-inch TV somebody. <laughs> is that a problem? Hey, maybe that is a problem. But maybe some of the other expenditures aren't. But all of a sudden, that impulse buy caught up with you. And your inner critic, it shouldn't be there, but it is very excited. And your inner critic comes along and says, man, you'll never get this right. Man, I, I wish you could figure your life out. You're so stupid. And it's just condemnation, waves, stealing the joy. Come on, you just got cool shoes. Be excited. You can't be excited because that inner critic is being sabotaged in your life. The enemy subtly uses the inner critic. And you think, I may be just playing games. He'll use the inner critic for over a decade, two decades, three decades, Four decades beyond. And people can never think of themselves through the lens of God's love and the peace that comes. Why? Because that inner critic is so loud. It's the battlefield of the mind. It's the, it's the, it's the war of the mind. I think maybe for some of the, the, the younger ones, maybe you're in high school or college. Maybe you've gone back to take some schooling and Man, you're giving it everything you got. You are doing your best. You are working hard. And like me, your freshman year of college, you study your bottom off for Bible. I'm talking eight hours for your New Testament survey exam. And you get a B minus. 
Did you take the baseball bat and break it over your knee? No, I'm kidding. But the inner critic, the inner critic will not accept your best. It's never good enough. So the B's got to be an A. A's got to be, I don't know, we'll find. How about a 4.5 GPA? Growing up for me, I'm like, what's a 4.5? These are unheard of. I know it's a thing now, but back then, man, <laughs> C's get degrees, somebody. Be with me, all right? But the inner critic can also be not just maybe in food, not just in finances, maybe not just when it comes to exam or making the grade, but sometimes it gets a little deeper and you begin to look at your placement in life, begin to compete and compare yourself. You clip into your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, you begin to look to the right, you look to the left. Fingers crossed, you're hoping the inner critic is getting quieter, but there's a chance it's getting louder. You begin to see yourself as less than. It begins to cripple your identity. You find yourself disappointed, discouraged. What started as a moment, it's just become perpetuated. The enemy doesn't take a day off. The enemy is disciplined. And more often than not, the way he gets into our thinking is through the inner critic. It's condemning us. It's not convicting us. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Spirit. The inner critic is the one that has the spirit of the accuser in and over your life. And it could begin to paint our soul in ways that aren't healthy. That we can really, if you will, physiologically even just feel it sometimes from day to day, depending on the situation, depending on the room we walk into. Last week, we talked about taking our thoughts captive. Paul talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and his empowering and ability for us to capture those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. There's no other way when it comes to the inner critic. We have to shut it down. We have to take its thoughts and its labels and its creative tendencies captive and surrender them to Christ. Every single one of us has an inner critic who shows up throughout the day <laughs> and starts to war in our mind. I don't know what it may look like for you, what it sounds like for you, but it may be a fun or not so fun, but helpful exercise. It's a pretty courageous exercise this week to slow down and in your prayer closet, in your prayer time with the Lord, think of those voices, think of those words that are almost subconscious now. Every time you make a mistake, it shows up. Every time you don't measure up, guess what's ringing in your ear? It's that inner critic. For our purposes today, here's what I want you to do with your inner critic. I want you to take it to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to consciously and intentionally this week, when the inner critic pops up, take it to the feet of Jesus. The gospel of the inner critic leaves us condemned. It leaves us stuck. It leaves us paralyzed. And it can perpetuate to such a place that it leaves us rooted to negative thinking. And so one of the things we must do 
is prayerfully identify it and take it to the feet of Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, is a very good verse to show (laughs) your inner critic. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's read that slowly. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We've got to let that verse set us free. For some of us, man, it's been years where we've lived with the inner critic and never, never even knew it was there. Another powerful verse is not only Romans 8, 1, which Paul, again, wrote and who we looked at last, year, uh, last week. But in 1 John chapter 3, can we bring up those verses? It says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth. And look here, how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Look at that. If our hearts condemn us, We know that God is greater than our hearts. And He knows everything. This is wildly good news. For me, about a decade ago, this began to change the trajectory of my life. I was still in full-time ministry. But when I say changed the trajectory of my life, it set my inner man free from the bondage of the inner critic. It set me free from the perpetual hamster wheel of never measuring up. I'll be transparent with you. I grew up in a Christian home. Best childhood scenario, promise you. Mind-blowing. But as I grew older, I knew that I knew that I knew God loved me. And I could preach it with the best of them. And I could pray it over people and see God's presence fill hearts and change lives. But for some reason in my personal life, it would break down because of the inner critic. The inner critic gets lodged in our minds. Who knows where? It could be in our family of origin. It wasn't that way for me. The inner critic got lodged my way from my all-boys preparatory school. Where you ain't ever good enough. And you always talk too much. Now that part, I'll own. (laughs) Amen. But see, the inner critic, it doesn't handle mistakes like Jesus handles mistakes. And how God's love deals with mistakes. The inner critic is full of condemnation. And so while I knew God loves me, and I could tell you that, it was a transformation that had to take place from the inside out. Where I could rest, as 1 John said, I could rest because God was greater than my inner critic. And sometimes in life's experiences, part of the baggage we land up carrying finds a voice in the inner critic. 
So a job loss is not just a job loss. It's just perpetuating what a failure you are. And how your future is bleak and how God doesn't care and how nothing good ever happens to you. A divorce lands up speaking an identity that it never should have, but got lodged on. It's the fiber of your being. And the enemy keeps us on a hamster wheel of critiquing and criticizing and jeopardizing our life. But we take it to the gospel of Jesus where he declares and breathes his hope over our souls and says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 John 3 in the message translation. Let's bring that up. John's writing and he says, my dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism even when there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. There's freedom that can only be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It just, it's the grace of God generously poured out on our behalf. It's not just a doctrinal statement of belief. No, it's the nail-pierced hands. It's the scars on the side. It's the blood of Jesus appropriated to the sin of our life that our inner critic can't seem to get enough of. And so what do we do? We take it to God. We take it to Him. We lay it at His feet. And we remind ourselves, I'm not who I once was. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. We may be in exile, as Jeremiah wrote, but by golly, he knows the plans he has for us. Plans for a future, plans for a hope. We have best days ahead. If we're not careful, condemnation can get rooted in our inner spiritual system and become, become our operating system for life. My prayer is that the gospel will set our hearts free. That we can live and walk and breathe in the kingdom of God. As I was studying, I thought, man, isn't it interesting that 2,000 years ago, it's kind of comforting. There were people wrestling with the same things. You've got 1 John writing to a real church. He's a real pastor, one of the first pastors of Christianity, and notice that the enemy was up to his old tricks, condemning, condemning, condemning. And here God comes, setting free, setting free, setting free. It has amazing consequences for our life. First off is it does deal with myself, but I've seen this happen. Not only myself, we could bring up that picture, I, you know, they're Pretty simple. I don't even know why I made them, but there you are. That's myself. <laughs> but the consequences work their way out. I've noticed 
There's a direct correlation between my anxiety and the anxiety my kids feel. When I'm tense, when I'm worked up, when Liverpool's lost, just kidding, I'm just kidding. When I'm anxious and frustrated and that's going on, can I tell you, it has a way of working itself out. That inner critic, we must take it to the feet of Jesus. When I submit my inner real estate to the king of the universe, there's a rest, there's a peace that comes, and it can't help but work its way not only into myself, but others around me. You know, some of your harshest experience in the workplace came from bosses or fellow employees whose inner critic was the size of Mount Everest. Some of the pain and trauma you've experienced in your life happened from people whose inner critic was ruthless. But glory be to God is that something can happen in our lives when we take those thoughts captive and we surrender them to the gospel of Jesus. So that's what I want to invite us into today is to walk by faith. Now, this isn't the only area. This isn't the only way. This isn't my only concept of walking by faith. But when it comes to the inner critic, here's how we walk by faith. We, we, we miss a piece of our vision. Like I said, maybe it's a food thing. Maybe it's a finance thing. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. Maybe the enemy's even lodged in your mind. Then he's like, look, man, you're, you're never going to measure up. You're never good enough. I can't believe you've been serving Christ for this long and you're still struggling and doing this. I mean, let's be honest. The enemy, he whispers any way he can to discourage. I think about sometimes, even in my own life, that old voice, you'll never measure up, you'll never be good enough. It never changes. You may think a promotion's going to fix it. It don't. You may think a, a new relationship's gonna fix it. It don't. <laughs> Unless it's with Jesus. You, you, you may think some 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 pleasure cycle, some sin cycle's gonna fix it. How many of you know? It don't. Inner critic can wake up. And so when that moment happens this week, and you're wondering, for some of you, maybe taking taking care of your kids, you're you you just listen, I could look at you. We could bring all the evidence before you of what a great parent you really are. And despite our best efforts, you never measure up in your heart. It's your inner critic. You may be the best at your job. You may be an entrepreneur and your business is flourishing. But you have every reason of why it's a failure, of why you're a failure. It can sometimes happen, that inner critic, with a parent that passes too soon and you never got to reconcile. And so the echoes of their voice are continually in your mind of how, yeah, you won't amount to much. Why even try? It's very real, this inner critic, and here's what I had to start doing. I had to start taking those thoughts and switching them off. 
Delete, 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 delete. Because it's a subtle form of arrogance to allow ourselves the greatest word over our life. It's well-intentioned arrogance, but it's a subtle form of arrogance nonetheless. Because the last time I checked, and the last time I read the word, it said that I am wonderfully created. It said that before the foundations of the earth, Christ gave up his life so that we might experience hope. It said that despite culture's best attempts to tell me who I am, God's word speaks the greatest word. And so when I'm in that moment, and here's the deal, when I've made a mistake and when I've sinned, I walk by faith. I don't go to the gospel of the inner critic, which leads to condemnation, bondage in my thinking, and false cycles of hope. It leaves me paralyzed. No, I delete that. And I receive the full conviction of the Holy Spirit. Which leads me to confess my sin. I don't want to play stupid. If I've made a mistake, we need to own it. I confess it. I repent of it. And I appropriate the gospel of Jesus Christ over that area. Over that thought. Over its voice in my life. And guess what? doesn't happen overnight somebody but you begin to do that daily day in and day out day in and day out day in and day out over a couple years that inner critic gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and the voice of God gets louder and louder and louder and louder and so you begin to encounter other people that are stuck because of condemnation and what do you get to do you get to remind them no 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 fall at the feet of Jesus draw close to the feet of Jesus everyone who runs to him finds his mercy and forgiveness you never find that with the inner critic but you will always find that at the feet of Jesus his forgiveness his blood speaks a better word Hebrews would say over our lives that's what 1 John is getting at. It's like, man, your hearts, they're fickle. You're going to feel high one day and feel low the next. Welcome to life, somebody. Aren't you glad you came? But God shares with us through his word. 1 John says, no, 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 no. When our hearts rise up, we know that God is greater than our hearts and our thinking. And so I want to inspire you. I want to pray that you would walk by faith. And here's, here's just a simple way. A simple way. It's a simple prayer. I, th I think we've got it. I want you to just think to yourself, what if I were at least as grace-filled to myself as God is to me? What if I was as kind to myself as God is toward me? What if I was as generous to myself as God is towards me? God doesn't name you by your sin. God doesn't name you by your mistakes. After we confess and repent and accept it in 
to Christ. God names us child. He names us beloved. That's his identity that's given to us from before we even knew we were alive. God has called us out. And so winning the war in your mind is important in our faith walk with God. And this is, I know, I know this is maybe a little deeper, maybe a little touchy, maybe a little difficult, but can I tell you, this is one of the groundbreaking areas of our walk with God. Because here's what I know. There are people you're encountering on a daily basis on the mission field of life. And they have an inner critic too. Every mistake, every difficulty, they run to their inner critic. And their inner critic tells them, well, here's how you solve this. Addiction after addiction after addiction after addiction. Relationship after relationship after relationship after relationship. Fear after fear after fear. They don't know where to go. But now you, having been set free and freely given the love of God, now you freely give it away. You tell them, hey, there's another way to live. I don't have it all figured out. But I believe Jesus can help you. I'm going to pray he does. He begins a conversation. And can I tell you, it's like a little seed that works its way through and becomes a plant of life to your coworkers, to your family, to your marriage, to your friendships, to your parenting. It's amazing what can happen. Amen? Let's pray. As we-